as we get ready for the Word of God today. You're all too excited to see each other. All right. We're going to go to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34. Let me take this mic up. We're going to go to Deuteronomy, chapter 34, beginning at verse 5. Deuteronomy, chapter 34, beginning at verse 5. The Word of God says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord has said. The Lord buried him in the valley near Beth Peor in Moab. But to this day, no one knows the exact place. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear and he was strong as ever. Notice this. And the people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over. And here's what's interesting. The Bible says that God buried Moses. And the title of today's message is Don't Dig It Up. Come on, say that with me. Don't dig it up. Turn to your neighbor and help me preach and tell him, hey, don't dig it up. And we're going to study this morning. We all know the devil is a tempter. And he loves to throw temptation around you. In fact, I could almost assume that everyone here has that temptation. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. But what is the greatest temptation the devil really tries to put in your life? It's going to be a good one. Let's pray. Father, bless this word in Jesus' name. Help us to understand it. Use me to speak it, Lord into our lives. We pray and we ask according to your power. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Don't dig it up. I was interesting. I was reading this, this story of a man in the Philippines by the name of Lee Vaughn. And Lee, he loved his wife. But, but I mean, he really loved his wife. They were high school sweethearts. They met met as, as children. He knew that when he met her as a child that that was going to be his wife. I don't know how that works. Don't ask me. But as a child, he knew that she was the one. He was her everything. He loved his wife. In fact, here's a picture of Lee and his wife in the Philippines. See, this is him. And he absolutely adored this woman. And for years they were married and had nine children together and had a fabulous life. He was living his dream simply because he married the woman he loved, he said. And one day, unexpectedly, tragically, she got very sick and she died. And as they buried her body, 
Lee was completely devastated. Lee could not eat. Lee could not sleep. Lee could not laugh. He could not move on. And Lee, every day, Lee went to her grave and weeped and weeped and weeped until his children had to go to the graveyard and literally grab him and tear him off the grave and take him back home. And one day, Lee had this idea. And he grabbed the shovel. And he said, I'm going to dig up my wife and be with her forever. True story. And here's a picture of that grave. Lee actually dug through her grave. He got her body and brought her back home. You might think this is shocking, but it gets even more shocking and disturbing. See, as Lee takes her back home, Lee lays her on the bed, and he continues to live his life as though she's alive. He eats with her. He sleeps with her. He clothes her. And every night he laid on her lifeless body, even though it was decaying for years. And here's what's interesting about Lee. When her body was down to bones, he decided to make a clay mold out of her. So I want to show you this is Lee. He's actually making a clay mold over her skeleton. And as a result, notice these next pictures of the rest of his life, what it would look like. He would sleep with this wife of his. He would watch her day and night, lay in bed. He would go there and mourn for her. He would laugh with her. He would eat with her. He would take her outside. He would go on walks with her, even though she was completely dead and gone. And when I read this, this man will bring her to family functions. This man will take her to Christmas dinners. This man will live his life with his dead body as though she was still living. Now, how many of you think there's something wrong with this man? And you might think, well, this is shocking. This is disturbing. I can't believe this man has this problem. And here's the problem that Lee had. Lee could not move on. And maybe this shocks us. And maybe this disgusts us. Maybe it saddens you. Because we understand that when it comes to death, there is a point, though sad, that you bury that person that's dead. And when you bury that person, for a time you're mourned, for a time you're sad, but there is a time that you are expected to move on and carry on with your life. It is a custom to move on. But just as shocking and disturbing as this story I just told you is a story found in the Bible. In fact, there is a church in the Bible filled with people that got saved. And these people got to know Jesus. They claimed that they surrendered their lives to Jesus. They were serving Jesus. They went to church every week. 
They went to all the gatherings. They would worship. They would meet each other. They would break bread together. They were part of a church, just like you and I are part of this church. But there was one problem. Because they were new believers, they misunderstood what grace meant. They knew that in Jesus, their sins were forgiven. They understood that through the grace of Christ, meaning grace is love that we don't deserve, they knew that their sins had been forgiven. They entrusted their lives to Jesus. But see, because of grace, they understood it to mean that God loves them no matter what. So they put two and two together and decided to say, we're going to continue to serve Jesus, but we're going to continue to live in our old sins. We're going to continue to love the Lord and serve Him and worship Him, but we're going to continue to have our old sinful habits still a part of our lives. So in the book of Romans chapter 6, verse 1, as we go there, Paul writes this letter to these believers. And he says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? It's a rhetorical question. And Paul answers it. He says, of course not. Since we have what? We have died to sin. How can we continue to live in it? And verse 4 goes on to say this. For we, say it with me, died and were what? buried with Christ by baptism. See, baptism is a symbolism of your salvation. You don't get baptized to get saved, but you get baptized to symbolize to the world that you are a born-again believer. And when you are baptized, it's a literal symbolism of going under with Jesus and coming back a new person. So the Bible is explaining here that when you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you and your sins are dead. They're gone. They've been buried. Your past, your present, and your future sins have been buried with Christ. Can we give him some praise for that? Because God says, in me, in Jesus, you and your sins have been buried. So Paul says, we died and we were buried with Christ. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by His glorious power of the Father, now we also may live, say this with me, new lives. You see, one of the evidence of true salvation is the new life that you now live. You don't live like your old self. You don't look like your old self. You don't act like your old self. There is an evidence of true salvation. That evidence of true salvation is a new life because your sins have been buried. For we died. No, go back to that verse, please. We died. I'll read that verse then. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. What are you guys doing here? All right, let's read that one then. For we died, say that with me, we what? We died and we were buried with Christ. Your sins have been 
Bury. The symbolism behind bury means it is gone. It is over. Mourn it, but move forward. Move on because Christ has a new life for you. That's what that term being buried means. And as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. We live new lives. Look at verse 6 with me. For we know that our old sinful selves, how many of you remember your old sinful selves? How many of you want to forget your old sinful selves? Paul said our sinful, our old sinful selves were crucified with so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Here's the truth. Hold that verse. Before Jesus Christ, before you got to know the Lord, before you got saved, before you got born again, sin had power over your life. Amen? Sin was normal to you. Sin was acceptable to you. Sin was accepted by you. Sin was lived out by you. Sin was practiced by you. But when you died to sin, that very sin no longer had power over your life because the power over your life is now found in Jesus Christ. So Paul said, you know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. So that we will lose, sin will lose its power in our lives. We are no longer a slave to sin. Now look at verse 6 again with me. We know our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. So that sin might, notice that word, sin might. Lose its power. Not will, but might. And what Paul is telling people in the church is that you may think you know Jesus. You may say, I'm a Christian. And I serve the Lord. But there is a chance that even though Christ died on the cross for our sins, and even though our sins have been buried and forgotten, there is a warning that Paul gives that sin can still have power over your life. And I've seen so many Christians, so many people in the church who have been forgiven, who have been saved, but it still seems like sin has power over their lives. They're not living under the power of God, but sin still has a hold of them. Sin still has power over their lives. And therefore, if sin has power over your life, it is impossible for you to experience the new life Christ died to give you. It is impossible when sin has power in your life for you to walk in the new identity God has given you. 
It is impossible when sin has power over your life for you to experience the new life, the new purpose, and the new calling God has on your life. In fact, if sin has power over your life, and that sin that has power over you prevents you from living the life God desires for you to live, it makes perfect sense why the devil wants sin in your life. He doesn't just want sin over your life. He wants sin to have power over your life. Here's the question, though. How does sin get power over your life? The devil doesn't make it powerful. God doesn't make it more powerful. But you do. How does sin become more powerful in our lives? We go back to it. You think that Lee is disturbing and sick and shocking? Let me preach some truth here to you, if I may. Equally as disturbing and sick and shocking are the countless people in the church who have experienced the truth of Jesus Christ. Who Christ has given them a new life. But still, sin has power over them. Equally as disturbing as we is a believer who has had their sins buried in Jesus. And yet, like me, many Christians grab this shovel and dig it right back up. You go back to the sin you know you're dead to. You go back to the sin you know will leave you powerless in Christ. You go back to the sin you know will rob you of joy. You go back to the world God called you out of. You go back to the habits you know do not benefit you spiritually. And we are going in the church and we worship God, and we say that we're saved, and we love the Bible, and we have a form of godliness, but many people come to church with invisible shovels. There are sins in your life you're going back to that God has called you out of. God has buried these sins. God has removed these sins from you. But see, the devil wants you to abuse the grace of Jesus Christ. The grace that says, I love you like you do not deserve, the devil turns that around and he says, because God loves you beyond what you deserve, he's going to forgive you, so do it anyway. Have you ever told yourself that lie? God's going to forgive me, so I'll watch it. God's going to, I'll ask for forgiveness, so I'm going to do it anyway. I know that nothing's going to separate me from God's love, so I'm going to go ahead and continue to live in sin. And that is why today, even in the church, grace is abused. Come as you are, yes. But grace doesn't mean you stay as you are. 
Grace means God has called you to a new life. God has called you to a new identity. But the devil wants to stop the work of God from happening in your life. And the devil does it by simply getting you to dig up what God has buried. And that is why sin still has power over so many people. You see, in Christ, Jesus has set us free from our sin. But that doesn't mean that now we are free to sin. And that's where the people are getting it all wrong. Though Christ has set us free from sin, salvation and grace was never a justification to be free to sin and live however you want. But see, the devil tries to get you to a position where he desires for you to go back to the very things that should have been buried a long time ago, that should have remained gone from your life. And the reason that so many of us here, sin has power over your life, is because maybe you're just going back. It's interesting to me that in our opening verse we read that God buried Moses. And Moses was a great leader, one of the greatest leaders the Old Testament ever had. Moses led millions of people out of Egypt. Moses was the spokesperson for God before Pharaoh. Moses did a lot to serve God. And it's interesting because I started thinking this week of all the people in the Bible that should have had the greatest funeral service or the biggest memorial built for him was Moses. But God decided to bury him. You see, in the Bible, it was so common that when someone in your family died, you would put what was called burial stones over their body. And those burial stones were reminders to the next generation of who that person was. It was like a tombstone. In fact, when people left their native land to go to another land to settle, it was very common to get the bones of their relatives, just like the Bible has mention of this. They grabbed the bones of their relatives and they put it in a small box. And I've seen this box when I was in Israel. These boxes are about this big and they have all the bones of the person that died. But Moses doesn't get a funeral. Moses doesn't get burial stones. Moses doesn't even get a little box. God buried him. The Bible says where no one could find him. Why? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 tells us why. Paul said to this church, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, 
about our ancestors since the Israelites in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by the cloud that moved ahead of them. And all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. Look at verse 5. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us, so that we could not crave evil things as they did. Now here's why God buried Moses. Because the Bible says that the Red Sea, remember the sea that parted out of Egypt into the Promised Land, that sea represented to them baptism. In other words, when that sea opened up and they walked through it and that sea came crashing down and Pharaoh died, that represented God telling the people, your past, your bondage, everything from yesterday is over. It is gone. Everything that hurts you, everything that enslaved you, everything that made your life miserable was buried in that sea. That is why they walked through it and left it. And God said, move on, move forward, because that's how God does things. God wants you to know when you walk through grace in Jesus Christ and you surrender your life to him, that sea closes down on your path. It is over. It is gone. Your sins are forgotten. The things that had you in bondage, the things that hurt you, the things that made you miserable in Jesus' name are gone. But here's the problem. The first generation of Israelites, though their past was gone and buried, they couldn't move on. In fact, the two greatest struggles the first generation of Israelites had that kept them from the promises and the new life that God had for them was going back. Struggle number one, going back. We want to go back to Egypt. Egypt was so much easier than this. Egypt was so much nicer than this. I miss Egypt. Guys, let's go back to Egypt. Let's forget this. Let's go back to Egypt. Moses, can we go back to Egypt? Egypt was better. Egypt was nicer. I miss Egypt. All the food in Egypt. Oh, someone even said the onions in Egypt. Wow. The onions in Egypt were amazing. I miss the onions. Oh, I miss the food. Oh, and they had quickly forgotten that that was the life that God wanted them to be dead to. But see, when life got hard for them, and when they were trying to live faithfully for God and obeying the Lord, and when life got difficult, the devil tempted them to say, just go back. Just go back. See, the devil uses this strategy today. When serving God becomes hard, when serving God is not easy, when serving God costs you, the devil's not too far with a shovel saying, just go back. It was so much easier when you were in the world. 
Just go back to that old life of yours. You were so much happier. Go back. It's so less stressful. Look at everyone out in the world. They're fine. They're happy. They're not in church like you. They're not serving God like you. They're not living righteously like you. But their lives are easy. They're not sick. They're happy. Look, their marriage is fine. Their kids are together. Everything's fine for them. If you want that, just go back. Let's just go and dig up the dead. Let's go and back and dig up the things God says was dead to you. Let's just go back. And the Israelites kept being tempted to go back. The second struggle they had was idolatry. And an idol is anything that takes your attention away from God. And I believe that the devil was smart. He took these two struggles and made them into one. Because I believe the devil wants to distract us by taking our attention away from God and getting us back to where we don't belong. Going back to the world. Going back to old ways. Going back to sin that you know God buried a long time ago. And the reason that God buried Moses is because it was time for the second generation to move on and move forward to the promised land, to the new life God had for them. And God said, if these kids are anything like their parents, I know that when it gets hard, they're going to go back, but they're going to make an idol out of Moses. They're going to worship Moses. So I'm going to bury Moses and hide Moses from them to keep them from the temptation of having them dig Moses back up and making him an idol. When I read that, I realized that nothing, listen church, nothing will hinder you from experiencing the promises of God and the new life God wants to give you than going back to dead things. Come on. Going back to dead things. And God said, I know my children, and my children love dead things. And my children, they're going to go back to unbury this body, and I don't want to keep them from the promised land. I want them to have a new life. I want them to experience more and better and greater. So let me bury this once and for all, and don't you go digging it back up. And here's what's shocking about the devil. And a lot of us don't even preach this, teach this, or know this because it's found in the book of Jude. And most people don't even know this a book of Jude because it is the smallest book ever. It's right little one page. Jude, chapter 1, verse 9. When Moses died, the Bible says, even Michael, one of the mightiest of angels, 
did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about what? Moses' body. Why would the devil fight, dispute, and argue and be obsessed with the body of Moses? Moses was dead. Moses was gone. But the second he died, the devil's like, where's the body? Show me the body. I need to know where the body is. Why? Because the devil wanted to tempt the children of Israel by going back and digging up the body. But if he doesn't know where the body is, he can't tempt you. And the devil was obsessed with getting them distracted from God. The devil was obsessed with hindering them from the promised land, the best and the new things of God. And today the devil hasn't changed. He is obsessed with distracting you from God. He is obsessed with hindering you from the plans and the purpose God has for you. And he is obsessed with getting the dead things God has removed from your life and getting you to go back to them. Go back. Show me the body. Come on, Michael, show me the body, Michael. I just want to know where it's at so I can pay my respects. But see, the devil is obsessed with the dead things in your life. The things you moved on from. The sin that no longer controls you. The devil says, I'll get you back. Because he wants to stop the work of God from happening in your life. He wants to stop the promises of God. Because there's nothing more dangerous to the devil than a child that's living under the will of God. And he just wants to pull you away. This is why I love this message. Because for the first time I understand something I never understood about the devil. It's often preached that the devil puts sin in front of you. You ever heard that before? But listen to me. The devil's smarter than that. You think the devil's just going to put a sin in front of you that you've never tried before? Oh, I guess I'll try it. I guess I'll do it. No, listen. The devil is not nearly as interested as tempting you by putting sin in front of you. But he tempts you with the sin that is behind you. Woo, that's good preaching. He tempts you. He tempts you with the sin that's behind you. Listen to me. Stop thinking, okay, i got to be careful what the devil puts in front of me. Yes, you do. But some of the people that I've known that have loved the Lord, served the Lord, been in the church, 
their lives have been completely spiritually destroyed, not by the sin in front of them, but by going back to the sin that they left a long time ago behind them. That's the strategy of the devil. If the devil had one tool to destroy you, yes, it'd be temptation. That's the, he is the tempter, the Bible says. But if he had any tool to get that temptation into your life, guess what it is? A shovel. Where'd you bury that addiction? Ah, oh, there it is. Hey, let's go back. Where'd you bury that sin? Oh, there it is. Come on, let's go back to it. One time. Come on, I'll help you. Come on, you'll really dig it. Come on. Come on. <laughs> In fact, the Bible is full of people whose lives were destroyed. Not by the sin that was in front of them, but the sin that was actually behind them. You think about Peter, for example. Jesus even warned Peter, hey, the devil asked me to attack you. So you better be on alert. And the Bible says that Peter denied Jesus three times. We all know the story. What's interesting is not what Peter did, but what happened after he did it. After he did it, the Bible clearly demonstrates that Peter was under condemnation. Condemnation is a constant reminder of your failure. His guilt and his shame plagued him. He regretted what he did. He regretted how he said things. He regretted how he did not do things. He regretted his sin and his past to the point that the devil came back to Peter's life and said, hey, your past, your past, Look at what you did. How could you do that? You call yourself a Christian. You call yourself a Christ follower. And look at your mistakes. Look at your failures. What kind of disciple are you? What kind of Christian are you? And Peter went back to his old sin. In his shame and in his guilt, the Bible said that Peter went back to his old life. He went fishing again. He left the ministry. He went back to the old Peter. And the devil said, I got him. Because sometimes your past is a shovel the devil wants to use in your life. In Christ, your past has been buried. Your past, present, and future sins are no more. The God that you serve, the Christ that died on the cross for your sins says, I remember your sins no more. But the devil is an accuser of the brethren, the Bible says. He loves to accuse the Christian people. Accuse them of what? The sin they have done. And that's why so many people can enjoy their salvation. They can enjoy their new life because you keep thinking about the old you, the old things you did, the old things you used to do, the old things you used to say, the old person you were. And that's the devil trying to dig up what God is there. Sometimes it's not the past, but relationships. How many know there are people in your life that should be dead to you? Can I go there? There are people in your life that should be dead to you, but like Jesus, you keep raising the dead. 
You keep raising the dead. Every time you check on them, let me just email, see how they're doing. You're raising the dead again. Don't pretend you don't know what I'm talking about. There are relationships God clearly wants you to stay away from. The Bible says bad company corrupts godly morals. There are people in this world that are no good for you. There are people in your past you don't belong with anymore. You used to because you did not know Jesus. But that person still doesn't know Jesus. But there you are with them all the time. And imagine this. God says, move on. The devil loves to get the wrong people in your life. People that should be dead to you. And he says, come on. Just call them and catch up. Just have coffee. Just coffee. Coffee. Cafecito. That's it. One. Call him. Talk her. Text her. Come on. Just go back. Just ask him how you're doing. You're a Christian. You're supposed to care for others. Just find out how they're doing. Go out with them. And you know there are people in your life that should be dead to you. This happened to Samson. Everyone focuses on one woman in the story of Samson. What's her name? Delilah. Read the story of Samson, though. Before Delilah, there were two other ungodly women. There was another pagan ungodly woman that even his own parents said, out of all the girls, you want that one? Of all the girls in Israel, my translation said, of all the girls you got in church, Samson, of all the Christians you have, of all the good Baptist girls I know, you want that hussy? You want that person? You want ella? Tu quieres ella? And Samson said, I loved her. You know Samson's problem was? Parents that did not beat his child with the shovel. His parents, parents that said, well, you know what, maybe, maybe she's not. Go ahead, Sam, just go on. But, but evil, be careful. That woman destroyed Samson. She left him for another man. Broke his heart. God spared him. But Samson, she's buried. She's gone. Move on. Samson, I have plenty of women you can choose in Israel. But Samson met another girl, ungodly girl. And the devil said, come on. And Samson goes, okay, one more time. Didn't learn. That messed up his life. And God then again said, Samson, did you learn? She's buried. Move on. Okay, God. Who's that girl? Oh, her name's Delilah. She's single. She's single, Samson. Come on. Samson, just one time. And it's interesting that all three girls that Samson dated were all the same. Why do we do that? 
You, you end up one horrible relationship just to end up with another man that's just the same as the last man that broke your heart. Why do we go back to people that we know are dead to us? But Samson did not learn. He started going back and digging up what was dead, and Delilah was the final straw. What about the man that was paralyzed for 38 years in a mat when Jesus healed him? The first thing that Jesus went back to him and told him, you're healed, go and what? Sin no more. Now, Jesus was not expecting this man to live a sinless life. Only Jesus can do that. But Jesus was talking about a particular sin in this man's life that hindered him and was the reason for his paralysis. And Jesus says, you have been set free and that sin should be no more in your life because sin is no more unless you go back to it. And Jesus warned him, sin no more or something worse will happen to you. Because when you decide to grab the devil's shovel and go back to the thing God has declared dead over your life, it only gets worse. The devil loves to tempt you with what's behind you. That's why we have so many bitter people in this world today. In the church, people you can't forgive, people you can't just forget what they did. You think about it, you talk about it, it hinders your life, your choices. You get angry when you think about them. You can't stop thinking about how they hurt you. You become a bitter person towards everyone else because of that past, because of that person, because you fail to forgive and walk in forgiveness and live in forgiveness because there are certain things you say, I cannot forgive. And if you cannot forgive them, you cannot bury it. And if you can't bury it, you can't move on. And if you can't move on, you stay stuck. And if you stay stuck, you miss what God has for you. So the devil wants you to go back to bitterness. Back to an old mindset. Back to sin. Back to the people that should be dead to you. Back to your past guilt and shame and regret. And the devil loves to shove it in your life. Let me close with this. I only wonder how many sins in your life has Christ buried that you keep digging up? Is it your past? Right? The devil tries to trip everyone. <laughs> he always stands here with me when I preach. That's why he trips over him. <laughs> he really does. The devil doesn't want you hearing this message. Because we're, we, taught, we teach the church, watch out with what's in front of you. Watch the temptation in front of you. Watch out what's in front of you. But the devil says, I can get you from behind. The devil will put your past back into your life. 
shame back into your life. Some of you can't enjoy God anymore because you live with your past. You can't forgive. Even though God has forgiven you, you can't forgive yourself. Some of you are going back to relationships that you're supposed to be dead to. But the devil wants you to call him again, text him again, go out with him again, just catch up with him again, and it only gets worse. Sinful habits that no longer have power over you now have power over you because you went back to it. Old mindset. Christ has buried anxiety and worry back. He's buried depression. But the devil says, oh, times are tough. Inflation's real. Come on, let's dig up that temptation. Let's dig up that depression. Some of you can't walk in forgiveness. And if you want to be successful in this Christian walk, that's difficult. Paul gave us the best advice. Paul was a man like us. Paul had failures. I mean, have failures right now. Come on. Failures in your past. Paul murdered thousands of Christians. And the devil tried to get him with his past. Paul had bad relationships. He had friends that were not serving Christ. That were trying to bring him down. Paul had memories of his sin. Paul had thoughts of discouragement. And the devil was constantly trying to distract him by digging up everything. That's why it's not a coincidence that when Paul went to a new city with his new purpose, people reminded him of his old self. Aren't you the murderer? Aren't you the one that killed all the Christians? Because I believe that when Paul walked in the new things of God, the devil was there with a shovel reminding him of his past. But how did Paul write a third of the New Testament How did Paul plant hundreds of churches and save thousands of people and that even today, Paul is making an impact in the world? He gave Christians this advice, Philippians 3.13. Brethren, Christians, I don't count myself to have apprehended, meaning I don't want to claim that I've arrived, that I'm perfect, because I'm not. How many can say amen to that? But he said this, one thing, shout it with me, one thing, one thing I do, forgetting the things which are well. Reaching forward to the things which are ahead. Oh, come on. When the devil got the shovel and said, hey, Paul, remember when you killed all those people? He's like, yeah, that's behind me. And then, but Paul, what about, and all those old friends came back and Paul said, nope, and he moved on. That's behind me. And Paul said, one thing I do. He didn't say, I go to church. Why? Because you can go to church with a shovel. He didn't say, I, I pray, because you can pray and pray and pray, but your sins still get dug up. Oh, I serve. One thing I do, I serve in the ministry. You can serve in the ministry with a shovel in your hand. He said, one thing I do, I forget what's behind me. That's why in Joshua 1, 
verse 2. When it was time for the generation to move on to the promised land, to move forward to the new things God has for them, God said, after the death of Moses, after he was dead and I buried him, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, assistant, and he said, Moses, my servant, is what? He's dead. You see, if there's anything God wants you to know today, it's whatever it is that's holding you back, it's dead. It has no power in your life. You're giving it power. And Moses said, he's dead. Therefore, the time has come. It is now for you to lead these people to Israel across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving you. God said, the time has come to move forward, to move on to the promises and the new things I have for your life. It's dead. The devil can remind you, but you say it's dead. The devil will always bring it to mind, but you say it's dead. When the sin gets in front of you, you put it behind you and say, I am dead to that. I don't need to watch it because I'm dead to that. I don't need to drink it because I'm dead to that. I don't need to touch it because I'm dead to that. I don't need them because they're dead to me. I don't need this sin anymore. It is dead in Jesus' name. So move forward. Don't you think, people, that if you go to a church called Forward Fellowship, you should start kind of doing it? Move forward and stop digging it up. Church, leave your shovels in the altar. We'll pick them up later. Every head bow, every eye close. In Jesus' name, Father, open the hearts. Let's be honest. We're in church today. How many of you came with a shovel? Come on. Thank God. There's things in my life I know I'm dead to. There are things in my life I know you've buried. But Lord, I'm going back. I, I keep going back to them. I keep going back to them. I keep going back to those habits. And if you just need help this morning going forward, if you show me your hands, say, Pastor, I want to move on. I want to move forward. It's over. Come on. Let her go. Let that go. Bury it. Move on. God has better. God has greater. God has more for you. Don't waste your life on dead things. Move forward to the things God has for you. Maybe you're here today. You don't know Jesus Christ. But you can know Him. Jesus Christ was sinless. He did what you and I could not do, live a sinless, perfect life. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That word death literally means eternity in hell. It is over. It was over for us. We were dead in our transgression. But the Bible says through Jesus Christ, who lived a sinless life, we can be buried with him and rise again. 
When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are saved. You repent of your sins. You turn from your sins and say, Lord, I am a sinner. And today, I ask you to bury all my sins as I entrust my life to you. In Jesus' name. It is grace because it is something you don't earn. It is something you don't get by going to church or being a good person because none of us are good. It is a gift from God. A gift that you can only receive through Jesus Christ. So I want to preach to two folks here today, two groups. As we all stand to our feet today. If you're here this morning, I want to pray in this altar. There is power in the altar of God. If you're here today, you're saying, Pastor, I confess, I got a shovel. I keep digging things in my life that don't belong. I keep going back. There are people that I need to be dead with. There are people in my life I don't belong to. There are habits I'm doing. There are things I'm thinking. There are things I'm doing that I know I am dead to. But the Lord told me to tell you this morning, it is dead. It is finished in Jesus' name. Move on. That's you this morning. I invite you to come forward. I want to really pray for you today. It takes a brave person to come up here. I know this. But if you're serious about getting serious with God, I am seriously telling you, you come to this altar and pray. And if you're here today, you're saying, I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. Once and for all, be dead to your sins. That offer is available right now, but you may not know how long that offer will be in your life. You come to this altar as well as we pray together for the things in our lives. We dig up, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. We pray for every person. Father, forgive us for going back to sin, back to relationships, back to mindsets that don't belong in our lives. Forgive us for making idols out of our past and the things that are dead and buried. Remove all distractions, all hindrances that keep us from living a life that belongs to us. Help us to leave our shovels behind. And like you took drastic measures to bury Moses, Father, give us the courage to take drastic measures to leave the things that are dead buried in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give God some praise today. Come on, amen. God bless you guys.